Police One Academy is leading the way in high-quality, affordable training for officers nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 1,000 HD videos and 175 full-length courses in a robust learning management system. Training is certified or accepted for training credit in 35 states. Join the industry's most officer-friendly learning platform with more than 60,000 subscribers. To schedule a free demo, go to policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, one of the topics that seems to come back every so often in terms of public um, scrutiny, I guess is the right word, public attention, is that of gang injunctions. And, you know, while you know we view gang injunctions from kind of the perspective of how they can successfully, you know, make a neighborhood more safe, you have um, organizations, and I'll quote one, uh, the ACLU saying, and I quote, gang injunctions lead to, quote, civil liberties violations. And they suggest things like job programs and job training and all sorts of other programs to ensure that the neighborhoods are safer. But that doesn't address gang problems, in my opinion. You're not <laughs> going to find a gang member who's like, yeah, I want to become a welder instead. You know, that's not going to happen. It's the, or at least it's highly implausible that that would happen. Um, you know, gang injunctions, they limit the activities of people who are known affiliates of gangs. Very, very specifically targeted to people who are, they've had an arrest record for gang activity. They, they have the gang tattoo. They flash the gang signs. They wear the gang colors. And we're just trying to find a way to keep those people away from places where they're terrorizing folks. Is that, you know, not a, a decent um, summation of what a gang injunction is? I, I think that's an accurate, accurate portrayal. It, it is civil in nature. You need your, your city attorney um, to, to get the ball rolling for you. Uh, but I think the, the communities that are in opposition of the gang injunctions, like a lot of things, we don't let them know. We don't uh, educate the public enough to say exactly what they are. And so I've heard the, the complaints from neighborhoods and communities that say uh, it's another police tool to oppress our, our local kids, uh, our, um, what are we calling it now from the Department of Justice, our justice-involved youth mm-hmm. is what we're calling them. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's not as simple as that. You can't pick up the phone, a commander can't pick up the phone, call a judge and say, I, I need a gang injunction. It is much more involved than that. You need hardworking, diligent police officers who will do the legwork to get enough probable cause to put together the affidavit to take before a judge and have the judge say, yes, these people can't be in this area. They can't be with these other gang members. They can't be out past this curfew. Um, And and often uh, in San Francisco, the the gang injunctions we have, um, great due diligent uh, police work to identify individuals who have terrorized neighborhoods that they don't live in, Mm -hmm. that they they are gang uh, identified, they are gang affiliates, Um, they've done gang uh, crime to raise money for the gang, drugs, prostitution, uh, robbery, uh, intimidation, extortion, uh, these kinds of things where if, if if the officers or the, the detectives are diligent in, in getting all these things together, putting together affidavits, police reports, arrest reports, prosecution reports, parole and probation reports, 
you've got the right guys on the gang injunction. It's it, by no mistake happens, happenstance or accident do innocent people end up in gang injunctions. And, and if you know of anybody out there, let us know. Send us an email and tell us, uh, you know, John Doe was miscategorized as being in this gang injunction and I'll eat my hat. Yeah, right. Exactly. But by the way, I'm not wearing a hat right yeah. now. Well, I'll, I'll, we have hats hats galore. We can we can find you one. Yeah, because the complaint that, and again, in finger quotes, serious civil liberties violations, you know, that's just a, that's just a false statement by yeah. the ACLU. Yeah. It's just incorrect. It's not true. It's a lie. It's fake news. Right. You know, it's, the, and that's where I think, Maybe things like this podcast, you know, which does reach a significant civilian population in, the, in addition to our police, um, our law enforcement audience. Um, these things have to be better explained. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to get, figure out a way to have a, a strategy to go to the media and explain this is what this means. Sure. This is how, as you to your point, this is how much research and due, due diligence went into identifying this person. This is the picture of the person's gang tattoo, right? You right. don't get those if you're not in the gang. Right. That's and if you do, they kill you for it. Right. right? right. So I mean, it's like it's these people are self-identified and they've they've got long criminal histories. They've you know done all of this criminal the gang activity, and the people in the neighborhoods who are complaining about this, they're the ones we're trying to protect. Right. You no, know? the restraining order spells out this guy lives thirty miles away, and yet he's been arrested eight times in your neighborhood. Yeah. For doing these things, I mean, he—they are oppressing the neighborhood. I mean, we have commuter criminals. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we have not only that, but we have you know clearly delineated or relatively clearly delineated turf lines of gangs within the city. Yeah, and you know, so you don't want the folks from one part of the you know the city to go and a be doing drive-bys for their rival gangs. But trying to encroach on turf and trying to do, you know, more drug dealing and expand the, quote, turf of, mm. of, of the gang. That stuff happens. And gang injunctions help to to quell that problem. Yeah. Right. No. And I think the, the community should understand gang injunctions can save lives. Right. And I mean, right. the gang members themselves. Right. Uh, we, we recently had uh, recently within the last year had a gang shooting where uh Two gang members went up and shot another four individuals uh, in a car, and um, you know we're so quick to try to get people out of jail uh, with court cases pending, sometimes for weapons. And I just believe if if we were good and honest with our criminal justice system and kept people in who should be in for gun or violence charges while pending trial. Uh, and not out on OR, then mm-hmm. some people would still be alive today. Yeah, well, it's without question. I mean, and some of those people who are out on OR, they're the ones who wind up dead. Yeah, you know, they're they're actually safer in jail. Right. You know, they. It, I, I don't want to refer down to the three hots and a cot thing, but I mean, if you're in jail, you're basically in protective custody against the rival gang. Relatively. <laughs> you know. Well, okay, yeah, <laughs> relatively. But you know, it, you know, if you're in for shooting, you know, four gang members. You are have a little bit better chance of making it to trial than if you're out on the street where they're going to retaliate. Right. You know, I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you know, and kind of stepping back really from the injunctions por- portion of this, you know, we have to think of not just gang injunctions, but other creative ways to really look at the gang problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like MS-13 is going away anytime soon. We have to figure out a way to deal with that. Now. I don't have the answer to that question. I think that that's kind of an open question because a lot of what we've been doing ain't working. 
Right. Um, you know, and if you keep doing what you've done, you're going to get what you got. And what we got is not exactly optimal right now, particularly in some of these as where these neighbor these neighborhoods where the gang injunctions are happening. That's where things are the worst. Yeah, I that's agree. where the battlefield is. That's you know, in say for example, San Francisco, Pacific Heights is not suffering a gang problem. Right. You know, Bayview, um, Hunters Point, you know, Tenderloin, Mission District. These are the places where. Um, it's less uh, lower income, um, high crime, uh, education is is poor, um, participation in the home is is inadequate at very to say the very minimum. Um, so it's it's the people who are suffering the most sometimes who are complaining the most about the gang injunctions. So I just kind of look, I throw my hands in the air and go, yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I believe the bottom line is that that gang injunctions are a valuable tool, and I believe they work. And you can look at places like. Um, Los Angeles and San Francisco and uh, Chicago, I believe, maybe Baltimore, where they have gang injunctions that are probably saving lives. Yeah. A, uh, a deep and wide issue that I'm sure we're going to revisit at some point down the road. Um, if you have issues that you'd like for us to cover on Policing Matters, the Police One podcast, um, we encourage you to make a comment or two in the comments field or send us an email at policingmatters at policeone.com. Thanks for listening.